welcome to Once More with Commentary. We're a Buffy podcast, and I'm Allie. And I'm Ginny. And uh, hey, Ginny, how's it going? <laughs> you know, it's good. Yeah, well, it's Friday. It's hot. It's hot. It's it very hot here, and I'm not happy about it. So but I think, like, we've mentioned before that there's kind of a lag between like recording and when these are going to air so like if like it happens to be like some weird cold snap like in new york when this is airing like weirdo yeah jenny's of the past so she's past jenny yeah um so currently i'm sweating a little bit um well you were really kind and turned off your your air conditioner conditioner because it was clicking uh yeah so that's i mean but otherwise i'm good i didn't go to work today because i had a um my global entry <laughs> interview. Ooh, that's so exciting. Yeah. It was very easy and quick. Um, I, yeah. I, I, I honestly, I, I intended to not take the day off to just be like, hopefully this will be fast and I can just run down there. And then I, I just have a lot of vacation to use this year. And so I was like, yeah, I'll just take the day off. What a luxurious pretty, problem to have. That's pretty nice. Yeah. Well, I got so used to hoarding all my vacation last year because I had to go to so many weddings that this year I like got to like last month, I was like, Oh, I don't have to save all these days. I should have been taking them this whole time. <laughs> well, that's really exciting because, like, yeah. I did that a few months ago, and um, I haven't actually used the global entry part yet. Um, mm-hmm. Although I get to use that next month, and I'm really excited to see oh, if yeah. it like actually speeds up my like customs process. But, mm-hmm. um, but I did yesterday use the pre-check, like the TSA yeah, pre-check portion of yeah. it. And let me tell you, like, I, like, texted my dad, like, when I was sitting in the Las Vegas airport, and I was like, (laughs) from now on, I just want you to know that I am referring to my life in two parts. There's the before TSA pre-check and the after TSA pre-check, because, well, first of all, like, it was a really interesting travel day, because, like, I just went to Vegas for, like, 12 hours. Yeah, that is weird. Yeah. And so, like, I didn't have any luggage. Like, I had a backpack with, like, my laptop, but I didn't have any luggage. So, like, I literally, like rolled into the airport, walked through security, and, like, boarded the plane. (laughs) I mean, not that that smooth, because I'm much too paranoid of a flyer to, like, play it that close. To get there that close, yeah. Well, and I was flying southwest, and, like, you can't, like, you don't have a seat, so, like, you Mm -hmm. don't want to miss boarding. Yeah. Um, But, like, I got to, like, on the way back, I got to the Las Vegas airport, and, like, there were five people in the TSA pre-check line. I was Mm, like, I mm -hmm. love feeling special. Yeah, (laughs) me too. so great. Um, like I've used it a couple other times I think so far, but like this particular time it like went really smoothly and like, cause the first time I used it, like my boots set off the, um, the metal detector. So I had to <laughs> okay. take my shoes off and like, it was like okay. this whole thing. And actually yesterday, um, in Las Vegas, my boots set it off again. So I guess, the I guess I like, I can't boots. keep my like shoes on, but mm. you know, I don't take my laptop out of the bag, which is a huge deal. So. And then the lines are just shorter and it's more people who travel more often. So they like know what they're doing yeah. instead of getting stuck behind people that are traveling once which is fine if you do that just well except so the lady that i did end up behind in line at las vegas yesterday like she gave the guy her id but she like didn't have her boarding pass out oh. or or it was like one of the other she like didn't have one of the things out and i was like lady you you're in tsa pre-check like you should know to have both of these things ready and waiting in your hand when you get to the front of the line that's just inexcusable inexcusable <laughs> yeah so so anyway, yeah, so I, wor- I stayed home today, too, while I worked from home, because mm-hmm. I was totally exhausted from my jet setting. Your jet setting, um, yeah. Is it hot it there? Like, was it hot in Vegas? You know, I thought it was going to be. It was supposed to be, like, in the 80s, but one, I was, like, inside all day, and mm-hmm. then, it, like, it was really windy in the evenings, so it, like, mm-hmm. wasn't that hot, and, like, actually, my flight was delayed by, like, an hour and a half, because it was so windy that they grounded all the planes. Oh, interesting. Well, it's 
already pretty windy and bumpy landing in Vegas anyway, and so um, I guess they're just like extra safe, but yeah, so I was just into the air conditioning a lot. Um, but it was very flat. It was weird. Like, you can see all, like, I I don't work, like, the office that I was at isn't remotely near the strip, but, mm-hmm. like, I could see the strip from the office because there's nothing in between. Like, it's oh. just a bunch of, like, <laughs> yeah. one-story homes. Yeah. So, like, you can see forever because there's nothing in the way. Whereas, That's like, weird. I work in downtown San Francisco, there's, you like... You can't see a block away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, that was kind of interesting. And, like, you could see the mountains in the distance. It was all very brown. Hmm. Um, and also like a good reminder of like, yeah, it wasn't really that sad that I only stayed for 12 hours. Yeah. 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 I I did get to drive in traffic next to the roller coaster at New York, New York, which (laughs) was super great because the last time I was in Vegas was like 18 years ago. Okay. My sister and I went on that roller coaster and I almost died. So (laughs) it was like, you know, so you faced mem- your fears? Is that what yeah, you're saying? Yeah, some good memories, like mm. looking out the Uber window and was like, oh, yeah, that's where I almost did. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, honestly, I'm going like, to ask you how – I'm going to remember this when we talk about the, the season finale. <laughs> My I'm going to try and mine your emotions to see if <laughs> okay. you got anything different out of the episode than I did because of this new <laughs> roller coaster experience that you well, had. I didn't almost drown, but um, – But you almost because, died. Yeah, because there's no water Did in you Vegas. die briefly? Okay, just kidding. Yeah, well, we, that's a really good reminder that we should get into this. Um, so it was my graceful segue. I thought it was actually really well done. Until I just called it out. Okay, well, now I regret calling it out, but what are you going to do? Hey, you want to pat yourself on the back. It's okay. Okay, um, I did. So today we're talking about the last two episodes, season one. Oh, season one. Oh my God. I can't, like, I feel like we just started doing this yesterday. Yeah, me too. We went really fast. Um, although I would typically binge the episodes a lot faster than well, I'm doing. That's my I one thing I get kind of caught up on yeah, or get caught in. I did kind of watch ahead a couple times, mm-hmm. and then I, but then I had to, like, rewatch. so it, like, actually was a good reminder of, like, this is actually a huge pain if I, like, watch ahead because then I end up watching these episodes, like, two or three times, Yeah, which is, there's nothing wrong with that, but this right. is season one. I don't really want to watch some of them, like, two or yeah. three times, so... <laughs> <laughs> um, I do um, think it's going to be harder not to watch ahead in season in two. In season two, yeah. yeah. Okay, but I'm really looking forward to it. Yay! Okay, so let's talk about episode 11, Out of Ooh. Mind, Out of Sight. Yeah. This is a good episode. I actually, I really, I really love this episode, actually. Yeah. I mean, it's not, uh, like, an all-time great, but it's certainly a memorable one. It is. It's definitely set up a lot, too. I mean, really, it was just such a big Cordelia episode. That's what I'm, what I'm well, not saying for some reason. Yeah, you know, I up mean, until this point, I, again, it, it's hard to remember exactly when characters develop into the characters that they kind of ultimately become. And so, like, with Cordelia, I kind of didn't remember how much she was or wasn't in season one. And so this was definitely like, oh, right, she hadn't really been in it much until this one. The last two, really. No, this is a really good Cordelia episode. Like, you're mm-hmm. right. And as I've talked this entire season about my adoration of Cordelia, like, yeah. it's very exciting for me. Um, and also kind of exciting because this is kind of the episode when, like, Cordelia joins the club. And, exactly, like, yeah. we've been waiting for this because, obviously, totally. Cordelia is better. So, yeah. like, more, I mean, more Cordelia is better than less More Cordelia, Cordelia, more of yeah. the time. Yeah. Um, so do you want to do, like, a quick run-through of the yeah. plot? Um, I do. I, you just reminded me of something that I want to make a note of for later. Okay. Yes. So I have so many notes, by the way, like (laughs) these two episodes, like, I don't know. I was in like a note taking mood, but like (laughs) it's going to be a lot to cover. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so in this episode, it kind of opens up and they're having the, maybe the the May Day dance or spring dance or whatever at Sunnydale High and Cordelia is trying to get named like 
queen of this dance slash prom thing. They kind of call it a prom once or twice, but, you know, who knows? Um, Anyway, as she's kind of gearing up and she's trying to get people to vote for her, all of a sudden kind of these, like, sort of mysterious, terrible things start happening to first to her date and then to her best friend. And so she kind of comes to Buffy and the gang for help because she knows that they're kind of, well, Buffy especially has kind of been around whenever weird things are going on. Um, And so lo and behold, Buffy and Giles and everybody start um, trying to figure out what's going on. They realize there's an invisible girl running around the school, maybe taking her her revenge on Cordelia. Um, She's definitely not a ghost because Buffy can like touches her at one point, like runs into her. Um, but yeah, so they, they piece it together and find out that this girl, um, <laughs> name ironically, I cannot remember right now. Do they? Uh, something oh, wait, wait, Marcy, Marcy, Marcy. I was just okay. going to say, do they oh, even no, mention it? But they, that down. oh, wow. They Certainly they do. Wow. Hmm, we did not learn our lessons from no. this episode. Um, so this girl, Marcy, basically you see all these flashbacks of her trying to interact with specifically Cordelia, but also just generally, it's clear that she didn't really have any friends And after getting repeatedly ignored by everybody in the school, even some of the teachers, she just slowly starts becoming invisible. I think they kind of don't determine finally if it's because they're on the Hellmouth, because this is clearly a thing that happens other places. So um, based on the ending, like, yeah, there's either a lot of Hellmouths out there Mm -hmm. or. Oh, well, that's a good point. There are more Hellmouths. Okay. So anyway, so to finish this long winded summary, um, she like her final act is that she's going to cut up Cordelia's face. So she kidnaps her and Buffy. And, but at the end of the day, of course, Buffy saves the day. And then this mystery invisible girl, Marcy gets taken away by the FBI. And it turns out that they, whenever these cases occur, they take the students and put, or take all the kids and put them in like spy school, basically. Yeah. (laughs) Which is clever and interesting. Yeah. Definitely like one of the more interesting endings that we've seen so far. (laughs) And it's weird when they hint at stuff like that existing because, you know, this one specifically is never going to come up again. No, but it's kind of a f- interesting, like, premonition mm-hmm. of a lot of season four. That's thought. what I, that's what so, I wrote down to. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, like, watching this episode, like, I forgot how, how much those agents are in the background, like, throughout yeah, the episode. Same, like, they're same. kind you of just right on the, the beginning. Mm-hmm. And why, but, like, why for this? Like, why aren't they, like lurking in the background like when the demons attack I, well i guess they're only interested in recruiting invisible spies it does seem like they let it go on for a while though they were not very good at catching her but like I mean, maybe I they were trying to get to the point where like she was able to be caught i mean yeah it's all unclear yeah. i mean she's invisible i'll give them that and they can't maybe run around freely on campus yeah. without attracting attention um but yeah, so uh, this, this episode had a lot of really interesting moments. Um, as, we, as we were kind of talking about a few seconds ago, you know, it was a really big episode for Cordelia, in particular kind of expanding who, who she is, because like there's the scene in, early in the episode where they're all in class, like in their English class or whatever, talking about Shakespeare, and Cordelia is really vocal in the class, saying some things that I'm not sure the teacher really should have been letting her get away with. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure her analysis held up. Um, but then there's this really touching scene where after class she lingers by to, to like have a really honest, uh, com- uh, conversation with the teacher where she asks for help on her paper and seems, seems, I think, genuinely invested in doing well in that class. You know, I thought that was a really, that's like a really like, oh my God, she's not, she's not just 
edits, she really, you know, she does care about her schoolwork and other, actually, other things. She yeah, cares about trying. other things. She yeah. just has horrible opinions about yes, her opinion. She could she be trying a little bit harder? Maybe she does need that after school work, but yes. Yeah. I mean, that comes up again later in season two, you know, it's clear that she is a good student. Not that being a good student is like the be all end all, but like there is more to her than just being bitchy to everybody all the time. <laughs> She's very smart. I would say in specific ways, you know, she is, but also like, I would suspect Cordelia is like a B student, like, because right, I, right, but <laughs> like, I feel like she's willing to put in the effort like on her schoolwork, but like not at the detriment of like her popularity. So well, I don't see her like getting, you know, putting in as much effort to get A's, but like, yeah, she seems like she's, you know, putting in enough effort. I think, I feel like there's a, a season two or three moment where she specifically says that she had like references her GPA or something. But oh. regardless. Well, uh, we'll find out. <laughs> I guess more so what I meant was, what I did think was a kind of another another branch of that is that she immediately knows to go to Buffy. You know, everybody in the school has probably been seeing the same things, but Cordelia is, I don't know, I don't think you can say that she's the only student who's noticed what's going on, but like, she seems to very, she has quickly, weeks ago probably, put together what's going on in the school. You know what I mean? Like, she knows that Buffy is... Super heroic in some way. Or I guess at the that very was kind least, the has thing. like a mace in her purse, so she's probably mm. going to be helpful in some way. <laughs> I guess I just feel like when she was like, "Oh, because she said a line in this episode about like, rem- did I ever tell you about that time she attacked me in the Bronx?" Yeah. <laughs> Which is like funny, but I feel like that's the way Cordelia was playing it. But I feel like honestly, she was like, "Oh, her real reaction to that is like, oh, Buffy has like got something else going on and put it in the back of her head for later when she needed it." Right, but also, like, she has that reminder at the beginning of the episode when they, like, bump into Buffy. No, 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 I know. Yeah, but, like, I think you're right. Like, I think all of this is going on in the background. Like, this girl carries weapons around. She's always there when weird stuff's happening. I guess my point is that no other students are coming to Buffy for help, or at least at this point, you know? Right. Everybody else has the same opportunity to observe this. I just think Cordelia's been kind of silently keeping track of everything this whole time. I just love Cordelia, all right? (laughs) No, 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 it's fine. Like, no, you're not wrong. Like, Cordelia is, like... First of all, of course, she's, like, hyper-aware of everything that's happening in the school because that's, like, part of, like, uh-huh. how she can how maintain, she manages. like, her social life. But, mm-hmm. like, yeah, she's encountered them enough times, like, weird things have happened and she's been involved that, like, she's not going to just, like, forget about it. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, she's not friends with them, but, like, she right, knows. Of she's not stupid. She knows they're probably the most likely people that could help them. Mm-hmm. Um, I... Yeah, I did want to call out that um, you already kind of mentioned it, but Harmony's back. Yeah. Yay. Yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't realize until right. she showed up that she hadn't been in a lot of these episodes. Yeah. That was how I felt about a lot of people. Also Angel in this episode. I was like, oh my God, yes. that's right. He hasn't been in an episode for like three or four episodes. Well, and I was just starting to wonder like, where has he been? But like, also mm-hmm. what a great fake out because mm-hmm. like you're talking about an invisible person. Mm-hmm. So the way they set up this whole scene is like Giles hears a noise and mm-hmm. he, like, you're like oh god the invisible girl but then it's angel because of course he doesn't have a reflection right so and giles is looking in like a bookcase or whatever mm-hmm. and it's so cute like angel's offering to help with research and like yeah. he's chatting with giles about books and they're becoming friends mm. i mean not really but like sort of <laughs> allies <laughs> i suppose yeah um which actually turns out to be helpful because Xander rescues uh, Willow and I'm not Xander Angel. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. Angel later, rescues yeah. Xander and Willow and Giles from the guests. Mm-hmm. When Marcy traps them yeah. and tries to kill them all, she yeah. is pretty mean. <laughs> She's 
I, I am not sure that her actions are are totally warranted. <laughs> well, they like they kind of say like she sort of went insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but I think again, like how even we've been saying this literally every week. Like, how am I still surprised that the show kind of goes as far as it does? Like, she tries to kill multiple people in pretty horrific ways, you know? Yeah. Like, um. So, um. Also. Well, I don't know what I was just about to say. I completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> okay, well... Like I said, me... I have a lot of notes, and I'm like, which which ones was I looking at? Uh, okay, um, I want you to tell me what you think about Cordelia's, like, queen dress. Uh, okay, so, yeah, I did make a note about that. Uh, it's pretty bad. I have, also, like, why is she doing a dress fitting at, at school? school? Yeah, it's I have just, that exact note written down. Obviously, like, like mm. convenient to get her in the school, but, mm-hmm. like, yeah. Also, that dress was really bizarre. And also, I'm confused because... Is this a separate dance for May Queen and then the prom? Or is this yes, the same dance? Right. I don't, like, there are two episodes in a row where there's some right, kind of prom. Right. I thought that the May, epi- the May dance happened, was supposed to happen after they were in the bronze at the end of this episode. So I'm pretty sure it was two dances. Like a spring fling and then a prom. That so is weird, though. There's just a long time between there's episodes, you. I guess? There were, or they just have a lot of dances. <laughs> Or, like, maybe the May Queen is, like, for the underclass, and then there's the prom. But yeah, like that could make the sense. the underclass were all planning to go to the prom, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. this is really mm-hmm. weird. Um, so I do want to talk about Cordelia's, like, date, mm-hmm. or that guy, mm-hmm. Mitch, his name he was. He looked familiar. He's, like, the first... Okay, so he's, like, the first victim. First of all, that is a terrible CGI bat attack. Oh, like, yeah, it wasn't good. It looks like something out of a Nancy Drew video game is what it I does. wrote, because it really does. <laughs> Um, it is bad. The CGI really never gets better in the show either. It's always pretty bad. It gets yeah. better, but it never is past. It's never good. No. Oof. Okay. But so Cordelia's boyfriend or date or whoever, like mm-hmm. I saw him walk on the screen and I immediately knew who he was. Like mm-hmm. I was like, oh my goodness. So um, that actor was definitely on a few seasons of the TV version of Sweet Valley High. Okay, I Um, guess I don't know him from anything. He played Todd Wilkins, and (laughs) I used to watch it every day after school in, like, fourth and fifth grade, which is, like, a couple years before this would have aired. Uh-huh. But, like, immediately I was like, oh, my God, that's Todd Wilkins. And then I had to double check it because I was like, I really want to make sure if I'm going to talk about this that Mm -hmm. that's the case. And it's 100% the case. It's on his IMDb page. He's also been in, like, a few other things, I think, since Buffy. But Hmm. I was so proud of myself because... Mm -hmm. Immediately, I knew who he was. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, so you're I saying mean, he looked familiar. You've probably seen him on something. Yeah. Like, I he's kind of, he's like one of those though. actors that like has popped up in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I mean, and um, on the subject, the girl who plays Marcy, Claire Duval, she's also yes. like, she's been working, I feel like, consistently since this episode, probably. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I mean, I, yeah, might have been I, one of her earlier things. I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah, I feel like a lot of the stuff that she's in is not stuff, like, I, she's on some, has had, like, consistent TV roles, and then is in several movies, including She's All That, of course. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I feel like she's been working a lot. Um, a thing that I liked, or picked up on, you know, when they're early on in this episode trying to figure out what's going on, and, like, if, some, if somebody's, how, how this is happening, uh, Willow throws out a suggestion that maybe it's a witch, yeah. And I was like, oh, hmm. Laying, again, early groundwork for things that are going to happen later, which is that Willow is going to get, become a witch and become very interested in witchcraft. I mean, obviously they've had witches already in the show, but I just mean like Willow is like, it seems like 
early from the get-go, her interest is piqued. Right. Like, she's aware of, like, the power of what witchcraft mm-hmm. could do. Um, maybe. I mean, I kind of read it more as, like, that's something they've already encountered, and mm. so um, that's, like, where they're going. Because, like, they yeah, are all a little bit slow to be like, oh, this person's just turned invisible. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, they don't really know why. Yeah, I mean, um, they have so little to go off of in the beginning, yeah. you know. But actually, I mean, it, like, the reasons, I mean, if you think about it, this episode is so sad. It is. I mean, like, it's just this really lonely girl who slowly fades away, literally, mm-hmm. and no one notices. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, you, like, we see all these flashbacks, and, like, it's just, like, even the teachers. Like, yeah, teachers exactly. you think are going to, like, look out for students, and, like, this is, like, not happening. Like, she's just so out of, like, sight, essentially. <laughs> hey, um, that's the name of this episode. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but no, yeah, like I mean, it really even is. That, yeah, even that teacher who's, who they go out of their way to kind of characterize as compassionate, right? Like, she's, like, willing to put in extra time with Cordelia, and she seems just really nice. But, like, oops, even that teacher. Yeah. Um, although, speaking of those flashbacks, like, mm-hmm. there's that one where... Um, Xander gets called on in class, and mm-hmm. I do not buy for a second that yeah. he had an answer in class, but <laughs> okay, <agree>. show. <laughs> yeah, small, that's like a small inconsistency. Yeah. Xander also had a great joke about a vampire bat <laughs> yeah. in this episode, where I was like, oh, that's right, Xander isn't only just a terrible man boy all the time, but he is also sometimes actually funny. Yeah, I laughed yeah. a lot. Um, Snyder's also back, which... Oh my god. I, I love it, Snyder. I love it, he's like, there are no dead students here. This week. Yeah. <laughs> he kills me. His whole attitude is just... Well, he's, he's like, so at perfect. the end of his rope, like, with this, like, he's like, don't sue. Like, he's just mm-hmm. like, this is exactly what he doesn't want to have happen is, like, stuff going wrong in his school. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, again, I just, like, it's so clear from the beginning that he knows that there's, like, mystical and supernatural things going on in the school, and all he cares about is, can everybody just follow the fucking rules? Oh. Yeah. I you shouldn't curse on this. Oops. Um, anyway. Yeah. You're going to have um, to give us an Also, text. was the bronze still closed or was it again closed for fumigation? Because, <laughs> I think we can assume again. Because <laughs> there was a sign, right? That was yeah. like, fum- like, that's why they're in the bronze when they're getting attacked. Mm-hmm. Which everything happens at the bronze. Like, it does. I mean, I understand budgetary reasons. Like, you only have so many sets. But it's weird that this isn't happening at school, that this is happening at the bronze. Mm-hmm. Um, like, how did Marcy get Buffy and Cordelia to the bronze? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, there's also at one point when she catches Cordelia in the first place, she like is care, is picking her up from a closet and carrying her like through the ceiling. And I'm like, that's yeah. hard. I don't know how you're doing that. This is Slayer level stuff, okay? Yeah. And she's just one invisible girl. Yeah. Like, I guess it's like the element of surprise of like, no one can see her, but still, I like, I guess you can't think too hard about the logistics of this. Right. Um, she was yeah. very motivated. Especially also the logistics of, like, her final torture of Cordelia because apparently Cordelia's face has been numbed, but mm-hmm. yet she's talking. So Yeah. I don't... Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Uh, was she trying to talk at all as though she couldn't move her mouth? No. Hmm. Yeah. No, well, I guess she, she left her lips untouched. Yeah. I guess she wanted to hurt a little bit. Maybe mm-hmm. it was just a little bit numb. Mm-hmm. Um, also, it was interesting, the feds, like, in that scene, like, they take Marcy away, but they really don't seem to care about, like, mm-hmm. the victims at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, are you here to investigate any crimes or yeah. just take the perpetrator away? I don't yeah. know. Um, yeah. Also, like, at the end of that scene where when Marcy goes and sits in the classroom, mm-hmm. um, how does she know where to sit? Because yeah. they're yeah, all exactly. invisible. Exactly. Like, how does she know no that was the open seat? no one told her which seat to take. <laughs> uh, that was a little bit confusing. I'm going to stop digging into the plot holes because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going to I mean, guys. yeah. 
Hellmouth. They're on the Hellmouth. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah. I mean, really, though, it's it actually is an interesting note because, like, it's only a matter of time until, like, all this crazy stuff going on, like, would get the attention of the government. Mm-hmm. But, like, I guess it's just, like, only the stuff that they know how to deal with and have seen before. I don't well, know. I mean, I, I think, I do actually think that that part, they're not interested in making things better for everybody. They're interested in acquiring a thing, you know? Right. So, like, I, well, I think that that part does make sense. They don't care at all about what... They don't even care enough to save Cordelia and Buffy, like you just said. So, like, they literally are only interested in this for one reason. And well, and we can kind of talk them. about that because, like, like we were saying before, like, this is kind of an interesting um, foreshadowing of mm-hmm. a heavy plot point in season four mm-hmm. with the initiative. And, mm-hmm. like, they kind of operate on similar grounds. Like, they're not interested right. in solving exactly. this problem. They're just more interested in using it to their mm-hmm. advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, Which I think is, like, not a totally inaccurate depiction of much of government, you know, or at least, no. you know, it's cynical viewpoint, but I don't think it's, like, out there. No, it's completely believable, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, yeah, no, I do think that that was very interesting that, like, I, I, I do, yeah, season one really, those little finer points don't totally tie together with the stuff that happens later, but, yeah, it is definitely just, like, such a template for all the other things that they're going to, all the things that they're going to bring up, like the issues and the, yeah, issues and themes and stuff. Um, here's my other beef, <laughs> plot-wise, with, not plot-wise with this one, but like, it really took Buffy a long time to be like, oh, this girl's invisible, I could just throw something over her and then I will see her. Like, why didn't she get a can of paint? Everybody knows that. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of wondering that the whole time. The whole time. Like, but like, it when did is take she gonna... a while to figure out, like, who she was and what was happening to Yeah, but the whole second half of it, like, Buffy, grab a spray can. Yeah, although that girl also kept giving herself away by laughing, and I guess she had just assumed at that point, like, no one was listening to her, so... Fair enough. She could just say or laugh or do whatever she wanted, I don't really know. But yeah, it was it was convenient that Buffy only realized that at the very end. I mean, and she didn't even really realize it. She was like, oh, if I listen, I'll be able to find where you are. And then she happened to, like, knock her into a curtain... <laughs> But well, isn't there like a wasn't there like a lesson that Giles was working on with her too about like listening? Was there? <laughs> was there? I, that's what I kind of thought. Like, well, it was one like, of the things that um, Marcy kept right. She wrote on the chalkboard when she tried to kill the teacher. Like she kept leaving them messages. Mm, that's true. Um, when she goes into her little FBI class at the end, her they're they're like open your textbook to page such and such and they're like doing case studies and it said something about like radical cult leader as target (laughs) i just thought that was funny (laughs) um i mean yeah but yeah so i guess i don't have as much to say about this one as i thought i did i think my main takeaway was i mean it is how cordelia gets introduced to their gang you know she knew that they were doing this stuff but she never cared to join up until this point because it didn't involve her. But now that she's involved, I mean, right away, one episode later, she comes back, you know? Right. Like, I she think that's why this episode is significant. Is, like, helpful again in the next mm-hmm. episode, too, because, like, she knows, like, there's weird stuff going on. They're probably going to help and know what, at least what's up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So should we talk about Prophecy Girl? Yeah. 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 Okay, cool. So, um... The next episode, the final episode, the finale of season one, which actually, you know what? I will say season one goes out on a, like a high note. It, it really does. does. This episode is quite good. Um, so we have Prophecy Girl where Buffy finds out that she's going to die. <laughs> Spoiler alert, she dies. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, so 
this episode, well, I'm like trying to remember how it opens up. I think it's just like they're she's, all kind of hanging out. She It opens up when she's slaying a bunch. She's like, I killed three vampires tonight. Oh, Giles right, would be so proud. And then there's like an earthquake. Yes. Okay. Yes. Maybe you should do the recap. <laughs> I'm like, so, yeah, she was like slaying and there was an earthquake and then, and then the master. So. Okay. So yeah. Buffy opens, she's killed three vampires in one night, which is above her average. Um, and then there's a big earthquake. And I think maybe a couple of other just kind of strange things are happening in the background. Um, kind of indicating that like something big is coming. Like these, there's extra vampires around Sunnydale for a reason. Um, meanwhile, in other news, uh, Xander finally decides that he's going to ask Buffy out. Uh, and he does. And he gets rejected and starts his terrible attitude that I will never forgive him for that lasts the rest of the show. Um, but yeah, I so... I wouldn't agree with that. Mm, well, well we as we it. fight about Spike and we can fight about Xander. Um, but so yeah, so Giles, uh, also as he's, you know, in the last episode when he was talking to Angel, he mentioned this like... Some, some, a number of texts that he was missing, like reference um, prophecies and stuff. And Angel had brought him one of them called the Codex. And so Giles is going through translating it and he reads that one prophecy that's been made is that Buffy is going to die at the hands of the Master. And he doesn't want to tell her, but unfortunately Buffy overhears him telling Angel and gets pretty upset. She tries to quit being the Slayer for a minute uh, before eventually, of course, realizing that like, terrible things happen when she doesn't do her do her duty um and terrible things happen to people that she knows uh and so at the end she finally goes to confront the master who does succeed in killing her albeit briefly because she kind of drowns in a little pond but luckily xander and angel are there and xander saves her and then she goes and defeats the master i would like to note xander saving the world for the first time helping save the world (laughs) okay I'm only giving, yeah. Um, I'm just saying that because I know it's going to make you mad. <laughs> I'm trying not to react to that. I give him his season six save, but not. Okay. Um, well, Zan- well, I mean, I mean like, I Xander's the only one too. that could save her. I mean, Angel can't give he her can't CPR. Breathe. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, yes. So, <laughs> I did like the earthquake and the master's reaction to it, which is to rate it on the Richter scale. <laughs> I have so many notes about the earthquake scene because, (laughs) first of all, like, Giles is in the middle of this, like, dramatic reading, like, the master shall rise and the slayer, and then it, like, what? Like, the slayer what? Like, then, like, he's, like, totally leaving us hanging with, like, in the earthquake, (laughs) and, like, Xander and Willow are at the bronze, and they're, like, hiding under these, like, super, like, shaky-looking stairs. Yeah, not a great place, But then the master, like, super seismic fan, like, Mm -hmm. he's, like, for also, seriously, another example of him being weirdly religious, like, he's saying, like, glory, glory, like, it's weird. And then he turns to the anointed one, and he's like, what do you think, (laughs) (laughs) 5.1? I mean, yeah. I love I love those moments. I do think the master, you know, he's not anywhere like the mayor later who's going to come up in season three. But like he he is pretty funny. He just doesn't get enough time in this season to really be flushed out. But he, I do appreciate that he's cracking jokes because it is funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, no, the whole earthquake thing, because it's like also the earthquake just like, yes, you're in like Southern California, but also mm-hmm. it just feels very portentous. And I think they all kind of realize like, well, this might mean something. Mm-hmm. Especially Giles. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know which where we should t- talk first. 
I guess let's, I, I'd like to talk about Xander first, and then okay, kinda, we can yeah, get into we can. That I mean, stuff. there's this is tough. There's a lot to unpack in this entire episode. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I yeah, it's like where where to start? Um, I guess we can just give up on making this like a smooth <laughs> smooth conversation. I mean, everything is going to tie back together on you know because yeah. that's also the way that is happening in the episode because like um, Xander gets this rejection from Buffy, but then by the end of the episode, he has to step up. Yeah. Know, okay. I do. I think that that's relevant. I do want to talk about Xander because I do think he's generally awful in this episode. Like starting mm-hmm. with the very beginning, like yeah. he's practicing his speech that he wants to tell Buffy mm-hmm. on Willow, mm-hmm. and like Willow's enjoying it because she can just pretend Xander's actually saying it to her. But like, mm-hmm. how does Xander not realize how awful he's being? Like, of course, yeah, so bad. But like. The one thing I will say about this entire plot point is, like, he does finally speak up about this, and we can, like, move beyond this nonsense of, like, him constantly pining after her. Like, it might be there a little in the background, but, like... okay, see, that's where we're going to disagree. I think it's there noticeably in the background for such a long time. But, yeah, I do appreciate that he just finally sucks it up and asks her, because, like, that is the correct way to handle such a situation. You know, you're never going to know if you don't ask, and I think that her rejection is about as good of one as you can give... You know, especially right. for two 16-year-olds, like... Um, well, so I do want to talk a little bit about that, but also first want to note that in that initial scene with Xander and Willow, Willow's eating raisins again. <laughs> Why is she eating so many raisins? Because that's what she does at the bronze. She goes to the bronze that's and she weird. eats raisins. And it's weird, and I don't understand do why they're eating they're trying something. to infantilize her? That's what I, like, that's what I don't get. Like, maybe they are. Like, I don't hmm. know. Because they do sometimes put her in outfits where I'm like, she's yes. like, she's a nerd, but she also clearly has friends. Like, she's not an outcast, you know? Actually, because no. even in this episode, when, like, later in the episode, a bunch of kids get attacked by vampires, and she and Cordelia find, like, a room full of dead bodies, and she's like, I knew those guys. So, like, she wasn't, you know, she's not, she's not friends with Cordelia, but she is friends with people. She's not. Yeah this weirdo that they make but, her out to be. But, like, she's always dressed like it's the dead of winter and everyone else is dressed <laughs> like, you know. Like it's, she's it's, always it's, wearing schoolgirl tights. Yeah, it yeah. is bizarre. But anyway, but, uh, so the scene yeah. with Xander and Buffy where Buffy does turn him down, like, actually pretty gently and mm-hmm. nicely and, like, you know, calmly. Fair, yeah. Um, but I do think it was really realistic of Xander, like, immediately getting defensive and harsh I, yeah. and, like, immediately flipping from, like, trying to, like, win her over to then being, like, cruel because, like, his feelings are really hurt. Mm-hmm. And so he's getting mm-hmm. defensive. And it's, like, such a 16-year-old boy reaction or even just, like... A 16-year-old reaction. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, like, or great. Yeah, fair like, enough for like, anybody who's not mature. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, like, a really great, like, realistic depiction of, like, That's how true. that would go. You're right. I mean, um, I am letting... My views are colored by stuff that happens in season two of him. If I, if I, if honestly, this were the only time, if they let this whole thing go after this moment, I would think that that was just a realistic depiction of what it's like to, to have feelings for people who don't like you back. Like, I do think it's fair that he gets upset because it's upsetting, you know, and you're allowed to, you're allowed to mope when somebody rejects you and you're really excited about it. But, um, I think it's more so the way that he then treats Angel particularly terribly and even goes so far as to kind of sabotage Angel later. It's like, man, you, at this point, Well, I think it's tough for him because, like, yeah, he, you know, first of all, he has to deal with Buffy not liking him, but then to deal with the fact that her, the one that she does like, like, her, in his mind, like, choice instead of him Mm -hmm. is someone who should be problematic and, like, Buffy's willing to look past all of these things that Xander has long since decided are deal breakers in a human, not a human, like, a person, (laughs) like, let alone a romantic interest, although... I think that's my point is that he later softens and like kind of grows up and matures. I mean, this is I a really immature reaction yeah. of like to just hate the person that is but like your still... perceived romantic rival and 
but a lot of that is also tied up and it's complicated because Angel's a vampire. And so like Xander can tell himself he just hates vampires, but really he hates this particular one, especially because of the whole Buffy thing. But like, and yes, there's a lot of horrible actions as a result of it in season two, but like. And later though, he never gets over it. He, even I, like, I, I honestly think even through like season six, there's times when Xander is saying things and I'm like, you're clearly just jealous. It's so frustrating. <laughs> I don't Ugh. know, but, like, I think it's, it, like, gradually becomes more background. I mean, like, yeah. Xander doesn't, yeah. like, he does have other, like, romantic interests that he seems, you know, committed to. Like, it's not like he's just waiting around for Buffy to, like, wake up one day, but, like... I agree with that. I agree that he's not waiting around for her anymore, but I yeah. do think that he ultimately is still jealous. Like, even but, in that time when when they, when they find out that she's been sleeping with Spike, like, he's right. mad. Bec- not, you know, like... But I think part of that, too, goes to, like, Xander, like, especially with Buffy, like, does not give her a lot of leeway about, like, having romantic involvements with vampires. Because in his mind, like, they're, and maybe part of it is, like, they're all putting their lives on the line to help her, like, with this quest of, like, killing Mm. vampires. And then to have these, like, exceptions be Mm. made is, like, probably... Uh. I I don't know. Okay, but excuse me, does Xander or does Xander not exclusively date, uh... Demons well, for the but here's of the thing: series. like, <laughs> people are always really judgmental of other people for things that they probably give themselves a pass on. So, like, I totally buy that. I'm not I saying buy it's good. It as realistic. I'm just saying it makes him unbearable. Well, Xander is a problematic <laughs> character for sure. Although yeah. I would say, like, he does step up in this episode. Like, he goes and gets Angel. Like, yeah. it's like we're the only two. Like, and okay, this is also this whole two. stupid idea of like I'm anything. the only one that can help. And like, <laughs> no, Xander, you're. Yeah stupid like you're not going to be helpful but turns out like he is like he gets angel they follow her and he knows angel is the only one who's going to like go with him because mm-hmm. angel's also invested and angels you know this is where angel realizes like oh you're in love with her too mm-hmm. um but it's a good thing like they go and they save the day because they revive buffy okay well i will i, sh- I should say that i think part of the problem is uh, one of the problems with Xander is also, I think it's just the choices that Nicholas Brennan is making as an actor, because I do feel like at the end of this episode, it should have been a really touching moment that like they had this fight earlier, but they've both, he and Buffy, Xander and Buffy have realized that like their friendship is more important, like, or specifically that Xander has realized that their friend, her friendship still means a lot to him, even without the possibility of romance. But I don't feel like he conveys that. He just kind of still seems like maybe now she'll love me because I saved her life. Like, but I think that that has more to do with kind of the way that, he delivers his lines and kind of the looks that are on his face. That's not necessarily something that was like written down, you know, because it's a great story. I like, I really do like the idea of he gets rejected early on, but then realizes that he still cares about her. Even if it, if even as a friend, but it just doesn't quite work for me. I mean, that could be the choices that he's making because like, you know, reading these interviews that they did for the 20 year anniversary, Mm -hmm. like, Nicholas Brendan was very clear that he always thought Buffy and Xander should have ended up together. Yeah. <laughs> so, which is like, he's the only person on the planet rooting for that. So, um, okay. Well, yeah. now I feel totally justified in everything. Well, you are. I mean, said. like, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to like, no, no, say no, that I'm... Xander like, isn't a, ba- I mean, at the, like he is always like the worst, most selfish character a lot of the time, mm-hmm. but you also want to have a character like that because it's still interesting. I do think, yeah, I think, Mm. I'm medium. I mean, poor Willow, though. Like, medium she just, you, like, yeah. gets, like, and then Xander oh, right. turning well, around and, like, asking Willow to the dance instead, and, like, mm-hmm. props to Willow for saying just, no. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, though, on the flip side, like, who can actually handle rejection well? Willow is the only mature one, you know? Yeah. She totally handles it, like, 
She's self-possessed enough to, like, mm-hmm. say no to being Xander's consolation prize. And, like, but I also do like that, like, as soon as Xander kind of realizes the point that she's making, he's, like, apologetic. Like, he's like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Like, that's, you know, you're right. Like, I shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and then he goes home and listens to country. Mopes. So Which is also fair. I do think that, that is a valid scene. Yeah. You should go home and mope. You have to. You're not going to get over it if you don't let yourself cry about it. Yeah. Um, okay. So, kind of moving along. Um... I guess I want to talk about the uh, the prophecy and that yeah. that Buffy and Giles interaction specifically, um, because it obviously made me tear up a little bit when Buffy finds out she's going to die and then has to talk uh, emotionally about how she doesn't want to die because she's just a sixteen year old. Yeah, did I you mean, cry? She's did you cry? Just a kid. I mean, this is a great reminder of like sixteen is young, and Allie. like she's not ready to accept dying as her fate. Like, you know, did just, you did you hear my question? Oh, sorry. Did no. you did you cry? Did I cry? Yeah. Um, no, I didn't. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I think I have in the past mm-hmm. sometimes, but I for whatever reason this time I just I think knowing it was coming. Mm-hmm. Also, it's like a really short scene. Of it like, is a short scene. Like it's a really short beat. Like she then immediately moves on to like, I cried a little bit more actually, or teared up a little bit like in the scene after when she. Um, goes to comfort Willow and Mm -hmm. like Buffy's taking the time out of like she thinks and knows that she's going to die Mm -hmm. and she's still like there for her friend and it's like this huge thing of like this is what Buffy does is like her she puts herself aside for everyone else right well and again it really uh, emphasizes that Buffy having friends is really important to her success because after seeing Willow's reaction, that's what motivates her to go back to her Slayer duties. Like, even if it means she's going to die, she knows that she has to do these things because there are people that she cares about, not just theoretical people. You know, it's not a theoretical duty. She literally has to protect all these people that are in her life. Um, But I do like her initial reaction. I mean, me too. I think that's fair. starts laughing. Like, yeah, yeah, of course she would. Yeah. And I guess the part that really broke me up is when she says to Giles that she asks him, like, oh, you weren't even going to tell me? And also Sarah Michelle Gellar is just good at those scenes. She, she killed it in that <laughs> She's scene, so for good, real, yeah. And well, she, like, like, there's this whole range of emotions. Like, she shows up to the library, and she sees Angel, and, like, she's, like, Angel. Like, mm-hmm, she's, she's so excited mm-hmm. that he's there. Like, I think this is the first time she's seen him since Angel. It is, since yeah. that episode. And then immediately then to overhear that they're discussing her, and then they're talking about her dying, mm-hmm. and, like... And then, like, immediately, like, the anger, the, like, fear, like, all of that, and then to wonder, like, if this guy who's supposed to be looking out for you, like, was he going to tell her the truth about it? Right. And I think, I he, mean, I and think he would have. Is he supposed to be looking out for her? Because, you know, we don't really at this point know much about what a Watcher is, and neither does she. You know, she, they're developed, clearly they're developing, I think, a, a, an unusual and a close relationship. You know, she and Giles, I love, I love their relationship. And I think that this is such an, yeah, it's just such an important moment where it's like, oh, right. At this point, she doesn't really know if Giles is ultimately, does he care more about her doing her job or does he care more about her personal as a person? Right. You know, would he let not let her know this important fact so that she would make go and fight the master or would he tell her and let her make that choice? Well, and like, what is his like decision making process? Like, is mm-hmm. he thinking like, okay, I've come to care about this slayer, but it's a Slayer's duty to do this and Slayer's die and there will be another one called in her place or like, mm-hmm. you know, that's like your thing. Like, is he going to be the new Watcher or the new Slayer? There's another one. Like, mm-hmm. it raises all these questions about logistics, but her questions really aren't about that. It's like, Mm-mm. 
what is your personal stake in this? Yeah. And I mean, I think it's a good question. Like, I think you said you do think he would have told her if she didn't overhear it. I'm not sure. Absolutely. I'm not sure at this point. I think he would have. I think he would have. uh, Well, okay. Because he does. Maybe, well, I was going to say, like, he would have told her after he left to go kill the master, but then he would have died. So I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I do think there are going to be moments again where Giles has to kind of battle this, like, he's spent a lot of his life dedicated to this role as a watcher and what it means and what a slayer up until this point has, what being a slayer has meant. And so I do think that he often has to kind of, you know, balance these these choices and decide like, well, you know, he eventually turns his back on all of that stuff, but I, I can understand why that would be a hard decision for him. He knows that literally the whole world is at stake if he, if he tells her the wrong thing. But I think like he's or so she, clearly she horrified when he decision. reads this. Like, I don't think that he would have just not told her and sent her on her way to die. Like, I think yeah, it was I like, th- yeah. maybe like, You're I think right. his motivations of not telling her would have been more, um, to spare her pain. Right, like to spare her or even to spare her death, like to hope that like if he didn't tell her and doesn't, mm. and she doesn't go off to see the master, off to see the master, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that she wouldn't die. But like, no, that's a good point. I mean, this is one of the first prophecies we come across and like as we learn, like they have a way of coming true in different ways. Yeah. Okay, but you convinced me that Giles would have done the right thing, whatever that exactly I think so. I think he's, like, very clearly come to care about this slayer Mm -hmm. of his and and look at her as, like, not so much a daughter yet, maybe, but, like, he does feel responsibility for her and not just in the way of, like, her being a slayer. Like, he Mm -hmm. feels responsible for her, Mm -hmm. you know? I agree. Um, and I, also I think, do like, think his calling Angel to discuss it, like, mm-hmm. it's not, like, that's not Giles being like, well, this is how this goes. This is Giles in panic mode, like, how do how we do stop we? this from happening? This can't yeah. be right. Like, and Angel's like, no, it's always right. Mm-hmm. You know? That's a good point. Um, shoot, I just had another thought there, but it flew out of my head. Um, oh, but, but I, I, I guess I was just going to say that we have also, uh, throughout this season, kind of seen little moments where Giles does seem to be seeing how... Buffy's unconventionalness is an asset. It's not right. It's not just that she's disobedient. It's that like she has her own things going for her. So yeah, I, I again like all of that stuff isn't totally solidified. I think they still have a lot of time to you know they still need to spend a lot more time together and like doing all these things to really figure it out. But I yeah, but I also think like this ties into like this episode in particular. Like you know this is really the first time Buffy's confronted with like with her death. Like Mm -hmm. she, you know, she's aware that like slayers die, they die young. Right. Her job is really risky, but like, I don't think she's ever had a point where she's been like, I'm going to go and I might die doing this thing. Like this is the first time she's really confronted with it. And I think it's also really well done in that all of the characters are kind of grappling with like the reality of like what it is that Mm -hmm. they're up against. Like, I mean, they've seen some truly horrific things. Like they found that teacher beheaded in the, um, in the refrigerator. (laughs) They, you know, they found bodies hanging. They found like, people stabbed with like knives I mean it's like they've seen bodies and they've been shocked like they've had their principal get eaten by a pack of students like Mm -hmm. they've seen horrific things but like this particular like force that they're up against just feels I think it feels more personal I feel like especially because a lot of these attacks are attacks are happening like they're all happening like on school ground to like people that they know like Mm -hmm. Willow and Cordelia discovering those bodies in like the lounge or room, whatever that is like I think they're also just kind of, like, they're all getting scared. Like, it's like, we thought we've defeated this. Like, they think that at this point they've defeated the Anointed One. They right. don't know That's that a he's point. a kid. Yeah. Like, they they think they've done all the stuff that they have to do. And then to find out, like, 
no, like we're not in control of this situation. Mm-hmm. And also that the threat of death is now real. I think, yeah. especially for Buffy, like although Buffy she- and the only ones who know that Buffy's off to die are the three of them. Um, and I guess Xander finds out, but true. Um, well, I guess, them, yeah, I, mean, I guess Angel, I'm really just Angel talking about her, so. her again, up until this point, it seems like she's, she's been naturally a very good slayer. I don't think she really has felt endangered much before, you know, maybe when she first started, but like, yeah, I think yeah. that she's always felt in control. Like she could take care of whatever, whatever was going to happen. Um, I do want to say, as much as you're uh, lauding Buffy for being there for Willow when she has all these greater responsibilities, you know who is noticeably not there for Willow is Xander. Yeah. Well, Xander's off in his own little, like, you know, depths of despair spiral. Yeah. I mean, I get it, but it is, like, they've been friends since they were small, small children, you know? Well, also, but what I don't, I mean, at that point, I don't think Xander knows that those kids are dead. Right. That 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 happened, because he's not answering his phone. I know, I'm just... Yeah, but you're not I'm wrong. Just throwing no, another. Xander's... He's. I get that he needs some time alone, but at the same time, like, you know, it just. Yeah, you're. I mean, I know that you're right. He doesn't know that it's going on. It's not like he knows and he's ignoring Willow. But right, and well, and we also see Cordelia grappling with this on mm-hmm. her own level. Like, she finally I mean, really likes the guy. <laughs> yeah, and she like goes to where they used to park and mm-hmm. like tries to sit, and that's how she realizes what's going down. But like. You know, we see her, like, mourning in her mm-hmm. own way. I mean, we've seen her do that in her Cordelia way before. It's all very much about Cordelia. Mm-hmm. But, like, this time she actually seems genuinely sad. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, I don't know if his name was Kevin or Devin or whatever, but, like, <laughs> Who knows? yeah. <laughs> Something like, like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, like, she liked it, and, and she, you know, she's sad. And also, like, kind of this reference to, like, Cordelia parking with this boy. Like, <laughs> I, <laughs> she reminds me of this... I've had this interview or one time or, like, saw something. Maybe it's in the special features. I'm not sure. Where Cordelia, like, I guess at one point during season one, like, Charisma Carpenter, like, asked Joss. Like, she was like, is Cordelia loose? Like, <laughs> <laughs> the answer is like, yeah, probably. She's well, a little more experienced than the rest of them. She is, but I have suspicions about her as well. Again, I don't know. Hmm. I'll talk about that more in season two. Yeah. Um. I want to talk a little bit about Joyce, who has a okay. little brief moment in this, um, when she sees that her daughter is like, I mean, it just, it just hurts me so much that they can't just talk about these things, you know, because I do think ultimately, you know, when, when Joyce becomes in the loop, she eventually becomes very supportive. And I do think she's a really great mom. Like she knows that Buffy is sad. She knows every, she's so close to getting it right, but she's, no, you know, there's no way that she could know that, like, oh, what Buffy is sad about is that there's been a long foretold prophecy that she's going to die at the hands of a terrible vampire who's living underground for the last 60 years. Like, how could she guess that? She really couldn't. But right. I do feel like she's, she almost says all the right things, you know, and, like, I just, it's just so sweet. I just, it doesn't quite work because she doesn't know how to comfort her daughter, and I guess that's part of it is, like, there is kind of this distance between them that just, it just makes me sad. Well, and she's doing the stuff that she thinks should work. Like, mm-hmm. she buys Buffy a dress and, like, hides it in her closet, which is, like, Buffy never checks her closet. I don't I don't know. But, like, you know, it's, like, this really sweet gesture of, like, I saw you eyeing this dress and I wanted to do a nice thing for you. Mm-hmm. But, like, she really doesn't... I mean, she has no clue what Buffy's actually facing. Right. So, like, her normal, like, mother, you know, comfort, like, how would you comfort your daughter if, like, you knew she was going to die? Mm-hmm. Like, she had found that out. Like, I mean, like, uh, that's why, I mean, she's, like, 
she's not doing anything wrong, but yeah, like this limitation of like Buffy isn't telling her anything Mm -hmm. about her real life. Like how could she then be like actually there for her? Yeah. And it's sad, but like that's the other thing I think Buffy's long accepted that like that's not going to be the case because like she can't tell her Mm -hmm. like what's really going on. Like just as her mother is assuming she's like willfully getting into trouble, like she has no idea. Right. Um, I did like though that this kind of like double meaning behind the little motivational speech that Joyce gives her, which is like, you know, her mom thinks that Buffy's sad because the wrong, no you know, nobody asked her to the dance. And she's yeah. like, you should just go by yourself because I did that once and it was awesome. But like the actual thing that she says to Buffy is like, oh, is it written somewhere? You should just do what you want. And it's like, well, that is kind yeah. of, that is, it is written. I'm going <laughs> to die. <laughs> right. But also you should do what you want. Also basically becomes how, Buffy handles everything of like people are constantly telling her this is what's written and this is what you must do and she's constantly finding ways to escape it kind of you know yeah I guess I just thought it was a nice it was a well-written line but Joyce doesn't exactly know what she's motivating her to do but maybe a little bit some of Joyce's good parenting is encouraging Buffy to to be her own person in this way that helps her become a great slayer I don't know I'm once again probably reaching a little bit, but I just want there to be something there, which is like, ah, her mom is instilling in her, it's okay to not do things conventionally. I think so. I mean, that sounds good to me. (laughs) Great. Let's write it up. (laughs) Um, So, okay, let's see. Um, Miss Calendar's back. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is awesome. Um, she, like, walks into the library, and I made this note that, like, she looks very, like, 90210. <laughs> she does. She really does. Which is funny, because then I just, I remembered that I had never looked up that actress on IMDb. Mm-hmm. And she was on an episode of 90210. Oh, funny. Yep. Um, also, it looks like she hasn't really done anything since, like, 2005. Mm, so kind of sad. I'm not sure if she's acting anymore. But... Anyway, Miss Calendar comes in with, like, the deets on, like, the apocalyptic stuff that's happening all over the world. All over the net? Yeah. So she's a techno-pagan. <laughs> Every time whatever. she said the net, I laughed. Yeah. So we get this whole list of, like, weird stuff going down, like, mm-hmm. babies born with your eyes facing inward, Ugh. or cat giving birth to a litter of snakes, mm-hmm. which if I ever saw that, yeah, I no, thank would you. probably never recover. Um, and then, like, we, then we see Buffy, like, in the bathroom, like, going to wash her hands in the water and the faucet mm-hmm. like basically water's turned into blood um, which Buffy's kind of calm about honestly yeah, I guess <laughs> nothing's as bad as finding out you're gonna die I don't know I guess I don't know but like she doesn't know at that point she's oh, gonna right. die you're like, right. she just walks in the library like you'll never believe what's going on and not like uh um yeah so we get like this rundown and so that kind of brings us to like in the stage of like all our main players are in the room on this mm-hmm. Um, everyone kind of knows what's going on. Um, so then they start to kind of, they start to like wonder like, okay, well, Buffy's going to face the master and she's going to die, which means the Hellmouth is probably going to open. Let's mm-hmm. get ready for that. Mm-hmm. And then Miss Calendar also asking the like really obvious question of like, where? Yeah. Where, <laughs> where, where is, is the Hellmouth, Hellmouth <laughs> going to open? Right. That's um, right. I totally forgot the, that they, yeah. Yeah. <coughs> that um, they didn't know this whole time exactly where it was. Yeah. I mean, it's, like, kind of strange that, mm-hmm. like, they've never tried to figure out the nexus of all of this activity. Mm-hmm. Um, although maybe there's so much that they can't really do that. Um, turns out it's the library. Mm-hmm. Not the bronze, as they briefly think. Yes. The, uh, let's see, let me get the demon with the tentacles in the library. Is that a, mm-hmm. so is that a clue? Like a clue, <laughs> like a way to win clue? It could be. <laughs> yeah. 
because um, everything happens in the library, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so Buffy goes off to meet the master. Um, I, I do like, you kind of just mentioned this and I, I know you said it before, but I do like that when Giles is convinced that Buffy isn't going to go fight the master, his reaction is, well, I guess I'll go do it myself, <laughs> which yeah. is not, you know what, it, he does take all these things. He's brave and he's smart. Obviously, he would not be able to defeat the master, and he knows that. But I appreciate that he is willing to put himself out there as much as he's asking Buffy to do. You know, because yeah. it is painful I mean, when someone's just like, "You go do this thing." It's not a big deal to me if you die, but it's, well, it's, she kind of already did that before with her. You know, wanting to go on a date instead of going to stop the anointed one. So, um, wait, what do you mean? Uh, never kill a boy on the first date. No, 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 Giles. But- Oh, go ahead. Goes to the funeral home because Buffy decides she wants to go on a date. Right, of, right, 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 like, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's a good point. But I do think yeah. that makes Giles special. You know, we'll meet other watchers yeah. later who definitely would not do that. Right. Also, I love that Buffy can just, you know, incapacitate him by punching him right. out. Like, <laughs> one, good, one good punch <laughs> to the face. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Um, so Buffy dies and, uh, let's see, Xander saves her with some CPR, which to me seems like shouldn't be possible because Mm -hmm. if the master bit her and drank her blood, like, isn't he puncturing her carotid artery? Shouldn't she like bleed out and die instead of like drowning? I don't know. I mean, like these (laughs) other fights are always suspiciously like lacking in the blood. It's true. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe their teeth are very special, especially uh, yeah. evolved to only do what they want. And he doesn't, uh, like, drink her blood for very long either. It seems like no. as soon as he thinks he has enough power, he just leaves her, which is kind of weird. He really should have drained, well, he really should have drained her. <laughs> well, I mean, that's just an example of the villain being, like, completely right. stupid. Right. But, like, also, like, maybe the Slayer blood, like, just a little bit of it, like, that's the power that he needs to break free. Like, mm-hmm. that seems very, like, on the nose um, yeah, well, I mean, I guess he was like in a rush, vampire. you know, as soon as he felt that he had it, he didn't care. Yeah, yeah. Also, like, can I just ask logistically, mm-hmm. like, what staircase does he use to leave the cave and go point. to the school rooftop? <laughs> I don't know. He climbed up. Because maybe? he didn't exit the way Xander and Angel come in, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I always, like, wondered, how did he leave the cave? And, like, also, where did the Anointed One go? Well, I mean, what is the has been the point of the Anointed One, period? Because by the time that he comes to fill his role, which is he was quote-unquote, supposed to lead Buffy to the master. And I think the implication was always she wouldn't suspect a small child would, you know, would be involved in this. But by the time she meets him, she's like, take me there. She knows who he is. So, like, literally he he hasn't accomplished anything. That whole character is a waste of time, and I do not like him. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he's like the... uh, I mean, we've talked about this. There Mm -hmm. is no point. There's no point. They... Really. Didn't I mean maybe maybe if they had had more than twelve episodes they could have I mean because really the whole master as the big bad this season is underdeveloped and I don't I don't like watching this season I don't see how they could have really done it any better because they really did have to spend so much time setting up other things that like they couldn't you know have a lot of interactions but like he and Buffy really don't have anything they don't have enough interactions for her to feel like great enmity I don't know if that's how you say that but like. You know what I mean? Like, she knows that he's bad, and so she wants to beat him, but she doesn't hate him. At least, I don't feel like he's given her a lot of reasons to. He hasn't really done anything to her. No. I mean, I kind of wonder about the choice of even having a big bad in this Mm -hmm. season. Because it's like, yeah, you have, like, 12 episodes to get through this, and you have so much to cover Mm -hmm. that it seems like kind of a, a waste of time. But then I guess, like, you know... 
Well, it doesn't really set us up for stuff down the road. No, really. I mean, I, mean I, do, I do feel like they, they, I'm sure they felt like they needed some sort of arc, you know, this season needs to end with some sort of conclusion. And I think that having a, a consistent villain is a good way to do that. It's just that every other season after this is going to have, throughout the season, Buffy is going to face that villain so many times that by the end of it, you you are really rooting for her to defeat them. Not that, like, I'm rooting for the master or something, but, like, you know what I mean? There's just no, I don't feel any, yeah. I don't feel any emotion about him, really. Other than kind of wishing he got more screen time, because I do enjoy his performance. I, I mean, he's, you know, hamming it up there. Mm-hmm. It's great. I think uh, that's what they refer to as chewing the scenery. Yes, <laughs> yes. I also want to take a, do a quick fashion corner to say that oh, the, the so master's, fashion corner. <laughs> the master's nails are very trendy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you think he's wearing a press on? Because I no, I think he is a an evil demon who just has claws. No, I'm saying at the because at the very beginning <laughs> yeah, of this episode, like Buffy's talking about how she killed all those vampires. Oh, right. and she's like, this is a huge deal. Like I broke a nail. <laughs> like you're right. You're totally she right. has no idea. Like that's the least of her worries. But um, <laughs> yeah, um, and I do think it's hilarious that even the mask, like Buffy, gets this new dress from her mom, and throughout the episode, people keep saying, "Oh, I like your dress," and like even the master tells her that he likes her dress, mm-hmm. uh, which it's it's an okay dress, but <laughs> yeah. Um, also, like on other fashion notes, like mm-hmm. I think I already mentioned how Willow always looks like she's like dressed for winter. <laughs> like, <laughs> I like really noticed it in this episode what like, was she I don't wearing know. in this episode she's wearing like a sweater and like a skirt but like buffy's wearing like you know summer clothes and xander <laughs> and like i don't know although i think buffy looked really cool when they all leave that biology class like with her sunglasses yeah she wears yeah, those, pink, she those pink sunglasses a lot this season yeah um also buffy's very 90s thin eyebrows which <laughs> i Look, like, do your eyebrows however you want. I just feel like it's more distracting now because I feel like it's, like, the opposite is, mm-hmm. like, more mm-hmm. in vogue. And so, like, every time I, I'm, like, God, people really, like, just pluck their eyebrows, like, to, to death. nothing. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. I feel yeah. very fortunate to have missed yeah. that also, for the most part. Also, the master's makeup choices. Um, <laughs> his, his one punch. of my favorite lines on the entire show. <laughs> you do you love have that fruit punch mouth. <laughs> <laughs> he totally does, too. That's such yeah, a good description. Absolutely. <laughs> I do appreciate that she's like giving him little zingers here and there. I mean, and it is kind of funny how much her joking and punning is sort of one of her weapons because, like, it does distract people. <laughs> like, master clearly gets. Like, he's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it might not have been that scene, but something else that she said to him, and he was like, excuse me. <laughs> you know, he definitely does, like, a double take. Like, oh, that gives you time to punch him in the face. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so um, this, like, whole episode brought up a kind of a plot hole point for me that, like, mm-hmm. we will kind of revisit. And I maybe I just don't understand how mystical physics works. Oh, but, yeah. <laughs> like, so the master killing Buffy or drinking her blood like opens like lets him escape the hellmouth or mm-hmm. like his where he's trapped mm-hmm. which in turn like opens the hellmouth because like his getting trapped somehow plugged up the hellmouth or whatever hmm. but but what we see is like the hellmouth opens nowhere near where the master is and a demon comes out not the master and it's like this giant tentacled demon thing mm-hmm. and the master's like watching it mm-hmm. and like golf clapping at the sight of it which I love. <laughs> yeah, it was great but like the master then dying is what causes the hellmouth to, to close. close yeah that is but weird. i don't understand why like because he he didn't emerge anywhere near the hellmouth mm-hmm. like where it's supposed to like where it opened like how was he like i guess he was mystically like the cork in the bottom right. but like 
than killing him? Like, haven't they already opened the bottle? Like, you could throw away the cork and still have an open bottle. You know what I mean? It is a good point. Like, but this is something that we encounter again, You're like, right. in season You're, five. Like, they say, open yeah. this rip in, like, you know, reality or whatever. And, like, a death is supposed to close it, but, mm-hmm. like, why? Like, it's already open. I mean, it's a good it's a good question, and I don't think I have a real answer to it. But I, I, I suspect that, yes, I never pictured it as the barrier that was preventing, the, like, mystical barrier that was preventing the master being the same mystical barrier that was preventing the Hellmouth. I always took it to be more of a, like, these are just mystical events that are tied tied to one another for whatever reason. So, I, yeah, that there's some sort of, like, karmic debt that is paid or... Un, uh, it's a good question. But it, it, it does... It does not make sense. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to make it make sense. I never thought about it, though, as the being the same, like, sort of physical barrier, though. I did always think it was more just like, he's prophesied to, if he rises, that thing opens. So, you know, therefore, if he dies, that thing closes. I do but think I feel that like part... it should be because there's, like, some kind of cause and effect. Like, yeah. not just that they happen in tandem. Like, I mean, maybe, yeah. I mean, this is like, you know, this is research 101, right? Like, correlation mm-hmm. does not involve, like, not imply causation, right? But, but I'm, like, I guess... We are implying that. Right. Like, I was just going to say that I think that the sh- in this instance, it is... Co- there are... Okay. I guess I just don't understand, like, how it's supposed to, like, all tie together. And maybe that's just, like, yeah. reading too much into it and not just, like, going with it. No, um, I think you're right. But, I mean, I think a lot of those kinds of, you know, those are just the kind of plot holes that a season one show has because they're not sure they're ever going to have to answer them yeah. <laughs> again. Well, then, and then another thing that works better if you don't really know where it's going to go is, like, Buffy's death. Like, mm-hmm. everything leading up to it is really poignant, and we have, like, these really weighty emotional stakes, but, like, obviously Buffy's not dead forever right. because we have six more seasons of a show called Buffy the Vampire mm-hmm. Slayer. So, mm-hmm. like, and it's, and it's a little, you know, a little irritating. This isn't the last time the show tries this trick, so right. it's, like, you <laughs> See, know. I don't but, like, like this trick at all, though. I think it's clever that, um... Well, it is. I mean, they to die, and she only dies for a moment. Right. I mean, yes, that is clever, and there's some clever stuff that comes out of that in season two. Mm -hmm. But like, it it just it removes all stakes. If you're like, like this is what happens on all these like superhero shows where Mm. people are constantly dying for only a few episodes and then coming back to life. It's like, if you do this too much, like death doesn't really have like emotional weight anymore. I mean, I don't think that the show really abused it, but like, right. I mean, it only happens. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I just feel like this would have been much more effective watching this, like, in the moment. Oh, right. Like, not knowing oh, my God, did they just kill Buffy? Mm-hmm. Like, or right, not course. not knowing. But, like, now knowing, like, there's six more seasons, like, it's like, oh, yeah, okay, fine. How's she going to get out of this mess? Like, Yeah. But I guess I think the more successful part of that is, uh, like, what the show is good about is when she's having her reaction to finding out she's going to die, I feel like that was genuine. She really does. She doesn't know. You know, so yeah. I guess I'm saying that like those previous scenes, yeah, maybe the death itself doesn't really mean anything to me as the viewer either. But Buffy's reaction to finding out she's going to die, that's why I enjoy the show. <laughs> like those are the things that it does so well that I'm like, oh, of course I could watch seven seasons of this because I love those moments. But well, yeah, right. right. Like, it's not about the actual don't really, plot. Mm-hmm. It's about how the plot affects the characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yes, um, you're right. That There are going to continue to be plot holes, but I feel like they're not are few like emotional holes. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm really just nitpicking. I just like, these are questions that I wonder after watching mm-hmm. like five times, you know, right, it's like, right. huh, why is this actually the way it is? Cause like, no, I mean, you're right. I mean, this is like, 
a wonderful episode in terms of like exploring what would happen if you were supposed to save the world at 16 and Mm -hmm. learn that you were going to fail. Like, yeah, how awful. Um, Um, But okay, so I do love overall like the way that this episode like really cements like this group that we've got. (laughs) Yes. Like Cordelia now is like totally down to hang. Are you stealing my notes? Because I literally have a piece of text highlighted that says the words Cordelia and cements. Like, I, I don't was have literally going to say that next. <laughs> You're say, taking words out of my mouth. <laughs> um, well, my notes didn't quite say that. No, so but you okay. literally just said cements, and then you were like, I, I'm just saying it's like uncanny that I'm like, I was about to say a thing, and then you like basically said it for me. <laughs> yeah. Get out of my head. Well, we're just on the same page here. We are. Um, also, I really want to point out how badass Cordelia yes, is in this I was episode. just about to say, we are about to skip over this, like... What a great scene. I love that moment so, so much. Okay, I have a couple notes, though. Mm-hmm. So Cordelia, like, drives her car <laughs> through the school. She does that for... <laughs> amazing. For, kind of for also, no reason. Like, wait, what? For no reason. Yeah, Why? for no reason? Yeah. I mean, not for no reason. Okay, it's for looking like the cool. Fastest way to get there. <laughs> you were, like, right outside of the building. <laughs> I don't know. We're not going to say Cordelia always thinks clearly. <laughs> okay. Um, but also I just had this moment of like thinking like, well, why even bother rebuilding that? Because yes. the mayor is just going to tear it all apart. <laughs> yeah, <in two> exactly. <laughs> also, how are they going to explain all of this damage to the school? I guess they're just going to pretend like they weren't the ones that did it. But like between the I mean, like, Hellmouth demon and Cordelia driving her car, like half of that building is destroyed. It's a little bit of a bummer that you never see Principal Snyder's reactions yes, to any of this. Totally. I guess I could just chalk it up to the earthquake. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's true. All right, yeah. all right, I accept that. But yeah, but I really love that Cordelia shows up to sort of save the day. Because, again, like kind of going back to that last episode where we get this introduction to her as more than just the school meanie, is that like she had this interaction with them and now she she wants to help. I don't know. It just like, it was so touching to me that, you know, Willow and Miss Calendar are like stranded there. Like, oh my God, what are we going to do? And then like, who comes up to save the day? Cordelia. And like, she always goes back to her her same way of treating them, like, in school. But you know that, like, deep down, ultimately, she's going to always do the right thing. Like, she is a good person at her core. Who knows that there's more important things than just herself. Right. Well, she's going to help save them against, like, monsters. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, not not their social life. But, right. like, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I do love how, like, that scene where, like, she bites the vampire. <laughs> She's like, see how you like it. <laughs> but, like, that also raises a question to me at this point. Like, how does she know that they're vampires? Like, she hasn't really dealt with vampires with them. Like, it's been other stuff. So, like, I guess well, they kind of mentioned in the car, like, hey, by the way, these vampires are chasing Well, us. but I also think that goes back to the, like, she knows she's been, I think, paying attention this whole span of time. And also all of the students at Sunnydale know that weird things are going on, like, Maybe not yeah. vampires specifically, but probably vampires seem to be their kind of one of their persistent plagues. You know, and like I mean, in, sure. in the first in season one of Angel, she makes that joke about like I grew up in Sunnydale, I know what a vampire is. <laughs> you know, like they they know. I mean, do they? Like, mm. I just feel like only a few of them ever seem to really be aware. Like, people know that weird stuff goes on and, like, there's a lot of dead bodies, but, like, they're just, as far as they know, it's, like, animal attacks yeah. and, like, PCP. Like, but that's just what the adults are saying. Stuff. Yeah. I mean, like, up until an episode ago, Cordelia just thought Buffy was in a gang, so. But that's just what she was saying to her friends. I don't think she really thought that. 
No, she says it to Buffy. Mm, She's like, I no, was kind right. of hoping you were in a gang. <laughs> okay, fair enough. But I, I, I don't know. I, again, I think, I think some of that stuff she's just saying because that's her persona, not because it's, she's stupid. I think she does sort of know what's going on. No, I'm not saying she's stupid. Right. I'm saying, like, was she ever even exposed to vampires before this event? But I'm saying probably. They go to the bronze all the time where people are constantly getting attacked by vampires. Uh, yeah, true. Um, so I do love, though, that at the end of this, like, their, their response is like, well, let's just go to the prom. <laughs> like... <laughs> Uh, oh, we didn't talk about the master dying, though. Oh, yeah, that was gross. It's one of the more interesting... I mean, he's the only vampire that's ever left bones behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that is weird. Yeah. Also, that's a giant stake that she killed him on. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what it would take, I guess. Right, because he's... Also, her aim was really good, because she kind of awkwardly just tossed him, mm-hmm. and he landed perfectly. But, you know, she's a slayer, so... Yeah. Natural aim. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like a slayer who dies and then feels like really strong. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Um, so I feel like we should kind of wrap this up, but um, I want to kind of just get your overall, like now that we've yeah. watched season one, you know, what are your thoughts? Well, you know, I have to say, so I had a question that like I thought about, cause I was thinking about this, like watching the end of it. Like, I think I've been talking this whole time, like about this season and this is what happens every time I watch different seasons. Like, this is why I'm always hesitant to have a favorite season because my opinion of the seasons just constantly changes every time I rewatch. Mm-hmm. And I think in this particular viewing, like, season one went up in my estimation. Like, yeah. it's still going to always fall at the bottom of the list of, like, best seasons. Mm-hmm. But um, I enjoyed it a lot more than I was expecting. I mean, some of the episodes are a bit of a slog to mm-hmm. get through. Um, there's no getting around, like, iRobot, you, Jane. Right. Um, but, like, I was kind of wondering, like, because, like, I, like, like when I told you to start watching, I told you to start with season two. But, like, now I don't know if I would still give that advice. Like, I would maybe say, like, here are some episodes to skip in mm-hmm. season one. But, like, I think I would, good point. you know, actually now recommend that people start with season one. That's so funny because that was, <laughs> again, that was, like, one of the things that I had... One of my notes was like, I still wouldn't recommend season one as a place to start. But I guess really what it is, is if it were somebody who's reluctant about watching the show, I wouldn't recommend this season. I would still say start mid season two, where I think that's true. But if it were somebody who's like, yeah, I'm going to watch this, then like you should start season one because there was, yeah, you're, hmm. But I forgot about the whole strategy of saying you could skip some of these really terrible episodes that have absolutely no bearing on the plot whatsoever. Well, because there isn't so much serialization, mm-hmm, so exactly. you can you can say like skip teachers' pets, right? Because it you doesn't know, matter. Like, yeah. yeah, like it's not going to like you're not going to then come in and go who the hell's the anointed one? Right. I mean, honestly, you could skip never kill a boy on the first date mm-hmm. because who cares, who cares about the anointed one? Yeah. So, um, it's a good point. basically, you know, you could watch the pilot and the harvest, and you could watch Angel, Angel, and you could watch. These last I would ones. watch the last two episodes, mm-hmm. yeah. And Puppet I Show. I mean, that's all you really Also Puppet need. Show. And the Puppet Show. Well, yeah. Um, and what, I, what was the other one we watched last week? Yeah. Oh. Um, shoot. I guess I liked the whole everything after episode eight I thought was good. So you're right. But yes, I, overall my... Oh, Nightmares. I would definitely recommend yeah. that one. Overall, my, my opinion of this whole season, definitely, now that I've watched it and really considered it, I'm like, oh, this season is not as bad as I thought it was. And I, in fact, I would say it's good. Other than those, like, the, the, like, flubs are particularly bad, but I feel like there's so much good stuff in this. It just looks a little bit janky, and it sounds a little bit off, but, like, 
you know, like, like the actual production quality of the show is not as high, but everything else is like, well, and if you think about it, Almost it's only there. bad in relation to the rest of it. Mm. Like, it's still better than, like, half of what was on TV at the time, or now. I guess I can't say that with any... I don't, I don't, I don't have anything. What would you compare it to? Vampire Diaries? Mm. You think that show... Which, okay, I would say the first few couple seasons of that show were actually pretty good, but, like, this show, like, this season of Buffy compared to, like... I don't know. Like, I mean, think of how many shows come on and you're like, come on, really? Like, right, right, right. I guess I was talking specifically about like the film quality and the sound, like the sound. Oh, I guess I like, never really paid that much. I feel like that, that was stuff the stuff because that turned me off when I first started watching it. I was like, oh, this looks like it looks so unprofessional. <laughs> I don't know. I, mean, I don't like, see it anymore, but I know that that would still bother me if I would like turn that on and be like, oh, what is this? It looks like an old episode, you know? Yeah. I mean, I grew up watching stuff like Babylon 5 and, you know, Xena and Hercules Mm -hmm. and stuff with some pretty bad CGI. So I guess that never really, like, got in the way of my Mm -hmm. ability to enjoy it. Like, I'm sort of always willing to kind of just lose myself in, like, what's Mm -hmm. being presented to me. But um, story-wise is where I think I get tripped up with some of these. Mm. Interesting, yeah. But I enjoyed it more than I was expecting or more than I remembered that I would. I Um, guess I do. I, yeah, hmm. Like, overall, like, how would you grade this, like, out of, like, 10? Like, I was going to try and rank the seasons. That's how I was going to grade it. Uh, Out of 10, I'm going to say six and a half. Yeah, I think that's fair. I'd probably go up to seven because I I feel like the highs are, like, I mean, like, it's a really tough thing to, like, break a new world Mm -hmm. and, like, Mm -hmm. new characters. And I feel like a lot of this was done very self-assured, like, right out of the gate. So, like, they get points for that. I mean, there are definitely some misfires, mm-hmm. even in the good episodes. Like, we talked about last week, like, ultimately Nightmares is a really good episode, mm-hmm. but it has this really clunky thing added onto right. it about, like, child abuse. Right. So, or, like, this episode, the resolution, the Buffy's journey is really interesting, but the master really fails as a, a villain up, right. like, up against her. Like, why? Yeah, he's not anywhere near as, like, vibrant as Buffy is in the story. But, like, I think, like, I would give it a 7 because I feel like the first season, unlike other seasons, gets a little bit of, like, a, you know, like, a curve. Like, a little bit okay. of, like... I see, yeah. It's kind of graded on the curve. Right. Like, it gets a little bit of a boost. Right. Because yeah. we know that they have to take the time to explain things. That they can't right. just do all the stories that they want because we don't know who any of these people are. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. I'm thinking of how many shows that are out there where you're like, well, it really isn't good until season 2. Mm-hmm. And there aren't even, like, individual episodes that you would be like, well, this is probably worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like my, yes, so it's definitely better than I was giving it credit for, I think, in my head this whole time. I also feel like my biggest takeaway is, like, again, knowing that they filmed this without, you know, they filmed the whole thing and then it aired. They didn't have any feedback this whole time. I do feel like it was really self-assured, and I really feel like watching this, there's so many, like, what will become foreshadowing of everything that's going to happen later. Like I said, there's just like so much of it is like, I really do think that they looked at this and then they knew what was working and they knew what wasn't working. And basically from this point forward, like they abandon all the things that don't work and they full throttle into all these interesting things that they've been kind of dropping in the background, you know? Yeah. I'm just like really impressed with how much they were like, Oh, that's an interesting concept. Let's explore that for a whole season or, you know, like even just this little like, Oh, FBI, what if there were actual government agencies that are involved in this demon hunting thing you know yeah or what's the fallout of the slayer dying mm-hmm. but not dying mm-hmm. like and coming back to life like how how is that how does that work within this mythology that we've built up for ourselves yeah or like with like i feel like it's all very well thought out yeah 
Yeah, totally. Yeah. Ah, okay. So that said, I'm very much looking forward to season two and getting going Me too. on this story. Though like, I, I think season two has some rough ones in the beginning too. Absolutely, but I mean, also the characters okay. that yes. we get to meet. I, uh, yes, I'm so, so excited. Ready for Spike. <laughs> I'm so excited for that episode. That's such a good one. Uh, yeah. Yay. Um, okay, so real quick, do you want to rank your your seasons in favorite order? Has this one moved up at all? Uh, no, I just said it was still in the bottom of the pack. Mm, okay. <laughs> I'm still... I don't think I... No, I don't... So you're saying... So you want to do, like, a ranking of the seasons every season? No, I just... And see how they change? Well, I mean, I'm not committed to this as a thing that we always do. <laughs> it's just in my head right now. I mean, we can. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm up for doing that. I just feel like... I mean, like, this is one's always going to be last, so... Oh, really? Give it a shot. Ah, um, seven. Okay. Yeah, no, this see. will be... I'm actually... I want to do it now, mm-hmm. and then I want to see... Where I land at the end of season seven. Mm-hmm, me too. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to say season one. Sorry, are you starting at worst? Yes. Okay. Worst, sorry. Season one is the worst. And then I would say... This is tough. I don't hate seven as Ugh. much as a lot of people, but it's still a rough one. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to say seven and then four. Mm-hmm. And then probably five. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to go six, mm-hmm. two, three. Okay. We're pretty close then. Yeah. Seven is definitely my least favorite. six for me goes up every time I watch it. Like, <sighs> okay. I hated it the first time it aired, but like, or I wasn't as into it, but I, to me, like, that one takes the metaphor conceit of this entire series and like, just really cranks it up mm-hmm. to like, masterclass territory. Like Interesting. Yeah. I, okay, so the ranking that I just made... Seven is the worst. I no way. I feel a little bit torn between four and one because I I think I, I'm interested how I feel after we get through all these ep- as all these seasons basically as you said. So okay, seven, one, four, six, five, two, three. I I do feel confident that that my top three are not going to change. Season okay. three definitely is not going to change. Season two is definitely not going to change, and I do really like five. So see, five for me is one that I. I struggle with because I think the villain is great mm-hmm. and I think some of the story stuff is really amazing but I also there's a lot about season five that I feel like more even more so than four like I think four struggles for being like a transitional season mm-hmm. but it has these moments of brilliance that like transcend everything and like elevate the entire season like I think the the premiere and the finale and like you know a bunch of episodes in between yeah like really make it great but like season five I just like never have like fuzzy thoughts about Ugh, really I always do yeah. yeah okay but like yeah I just but it, that's the other thing about seven is like I also think seven has these great episodes I like I think the problem with one is it, it has does. it has good episodes but none of them are like gonna crack the top 10 for me of like Buffy episodes. I'm very interested when we get to season seven then because I have watched it pretty recently and I was like this is worse than I even remembered I was the opposite of how I feel now watching season one so okay well I look forward to finishing this project with you but we should probably wrap it up because this has been our longest yet yeah we've we've bored everyone's (laughs) death (laughs) everybody send us your rankings of Buffy season yeah yeah watched it so um so getting into the next season we're gonna do season two Mm -hmm. Um, we're going to continue our two episodes per week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, I think the, with the idea that, like, if there's an episode that's big enough to warrant, like, its own yeah. episode yeah, discussion. That's a good point. But I think a lot of them in season two are actually paired together. So mm-hmm. um, I need to go through and kind of figure out if there's anywhere we we're need to do, like, maybe if, 
three yeah or i mean there's They're definitely to... yeah like i'm not sure if some of the two-parters are gonna line up with our well they might actually now that i'm kind but of they might be it. like i think it'd be okay right yeah um, we can figure that out later. Anyway, we don't need to figure yeah. that out on the no, on the air, we don't. On the but we're gonna do the same format, and we're gonna take a couple weeks between when this episode airs and then when season two airs. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so they should be they should be coming back around like what we say like July. Yeah, well, I don't know that there's really gonna be a break between what we're airing because none of these. Well, okay, at this point while we're while we're discussing it, we're assuming there's going to be a break, okay. but maybe one or two weeks yeah. at most. So but subscribe in <laughs> iTunes or Google Play because just in case there's not, you don't want to be caught unawares when we're halfway through season two yeah. and you're like, When's that show coming mm-hmm. back? <laughs> but yeah, if anybody is watching this for the first time, I'm super curious what your thoughts are. Absolutely. And sorry for and all the things that we spoil constantly. Well, I was gonna say apologies for all of our spoilers, but I promise it you doesn't know. matter if you know. Yes, it's about the journey, exactly. not the destination. We knew Buffy was yeah. going to die, but it was still touching yeah. to see her grapple with her death. Yeah. I mean, we're interested to hear all about, like, the bad CGI effects <laughs> and, like, the weird 90s fashion mm-hmm. and, you know, just kind of let us know where you're at. Yeah. And how excited you are for season two. So excited. I'm so excited. Has- Especially if you've watched ahead because you're not recording a weekly podcast mm-hmm. and you don't have to kind of keep pace <laughs> have you watched ahead <gasps> yes. betrayer and tell us about like how you know how you got into buffy so if we want to hear betrayers okay i'll stop slinging weird insults at you while you're trying to talk to our <laughs> listeners uh, you don't care how they got into no, buffy? I, do care. I care i totally care why I, yeah i'm very well, why am i a betrayer for watching i thought you said you watched season two ahead of just now Oh, no, I'm saying other people who could do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying I won't, but (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as of right now, I haven't. Okay. I thought you said you had. Maybe like two episodes. Okay. All right. All right. (laughs) I was just about to be like, well, now this whole last segment doesn't make any sense and I don't understand anything. I knew it. Yeah. Come on. You're terrible. Whatever. You used to wake up in the morning and watch ahead of me on the wire. Did I do Even it? though you'd already, already seen, seen it. it. Yeah, it didn't matter. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't where we were. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Sometimes it's because I was falling asleep and rewatching stuff, though. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, all right. Okay. Well, all right. Um, cool. So we're, we're going to sign off. So, hmm. You know what? I think this week I'm going to be Team Giles. Oh, that's sweet. I'm still Because well, I can't be Team Xander. Never be oh, Team Xander. I will never. I'm still Team Spike. I mean, an angel really didn't do that much. No. Hmm. Yeah. All right. See you next season, Angel. Okay. No. Child. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm stopping. Okay, bye. Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have, and find us on Twitter and Instagram at omwcpodcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com. 